Good morning. My name is Jerry Schoberg. I am one of the saints still living at, <laughs> at St. <Saint> George's. <laughs> Today's reading is from Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, his first letter, from chapter 1 beginning at the first verse. This is the introduction to the letter where the Apostle Paul greets the church in Corinth and reminds them of God's set-apart role for his disciples. Listen for the word of God. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I'm just thankful that Jerry was the one that was supposed to read Sosthenes. <laughs> Jerry teaches Greek, actually, so he knows what's going on. Let us pray. You, O oh Lord, are come to us as the Word made flesh, and we pray that you would plant your Word in our flesh, in our hearts and our souls. We pray that through these human words, your living word might be heard and it might make us into the saints you have called us to be since before the beginning of time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Though the official feast day is November 1st today, as we have deduced by now, we're celebrating All Saints Sunday the day where we remember the saints in the Western Christian calendar, or to say the day where we remember in the Western Christian calendar the saints. Now, what is a saint exactly? Here's a joke once told by a Catholic priest. How do you make a saint, he asked. Anybody know this one? Okay, good. How do you make a saint? The answer 
you beat the hell out of them. <laughs> ah, <laughs> it's a groaner, I know. It's a groaner. But I think it gets at what comes to mind when we hear the word saint. Saints are people who have suffered for their faith, sometimes dying as martyrs. There are people who suffer by holding off earthly pleasures like food, friendship, and sex. There are people who know no evil in them but are holy, 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 righteous, and good. That is one definition, that saints are people who've had the hell beaten out of them either by the world or themselves. It's at least the popular definition. And it's probably one of the reasons why churches in the Protestant Christian tradition, like ours, have trouble with saints and sainthood. You see, our branch of the Christian tradition has been kind of skeptical about the ability of we human beings to perfect ourselves or perfectly love God and our neighbors. Even the most impressive human beings are still flawed, broken, and fall short. Even our best actions and intentions are still tinged with self-interest and self-centeredness. You can't really get around that. That's why we're a little suspicious of saints. Now, you might remember back in 2017 when the acclaimed theologian and founder of L'Arche International, Jean Vanier, died. BC Catholic Magazine said that in losing Vanier, the world had, quote, lost a modern saint. He was an incredibly gentle, wise, and generous man. I was deeply inspired by his CBC Massey lecture, Becoming Human. He wasn't an official saint recognized by the Catholic Church, but by most accounts, he was as saintly as it gets in this world. He was holy to the max. Now, of course, you'll also recall that a couple years later, several allegations by women of sexual misconduct by Vanier came to light leading to a significant fall from grace. Allegations had been made before his death, but they weren't taken very seriously because, after all, saints don't do stuff like that. Often, if you do a little digging into the lives of the saints, you'll find at least some dirt. The hell hadn't been beaten out of him entirely, I guess. Now, while we should strive, certainly strive for the good to follow Jesus or in the words of Matthew's gospel to seek first the kingdom of God, sainthood as the possibility of perfection in this life is either a lie or it's a delusion. It's either a lie or it's delusion. It's a delusion, one that leads not only to cover-ups and excuses, but also exhaustion at impossible demands. We don't really do saints in our tradition because by that definition, saints just don't exist. They aren't real people. And yet, here we are, celebrating All Saints Day in a church called St. George's. Maybe it's kind of like most of us in secular society. We may not believe in Christmas, but we sure love Christmas carols. Maybe we just like the tradition. All kidding aside, though, we actually do do saints. We actually do saints. The thing is that the definition of sainthood is a little bit different. 
Let me start by saying this, though. Saints can be people who've suffered for their faith, sometimes dying as martyrs, martyrs, and they can be those people willing to suffer by foregoing earthly pleasures, and they can be people who are, for the most part, righteous and good, but that's not the defining characteristic of what makes a saint. To find that, we can look at today's scripture that our saint, Saint Jerry of uh, Schoberg, St. Jerry of Vancouver, St. Jerry of the Come on, whatever. Um, today's scripture is the very beginning of Paul, the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. You'll remember Paul is the guy who encountered the risen Jesus in a flash of light on the road to Damascus. Paul, who was once a persecutor of Christians, converted by the, that experience to be one of the biggest boosters the church has ever known, preacher, teacher, church planter, extraordinaire. This is a letter to one of the churches he helped found in the city of Corinth in Greece. And wouldn't you know, it begins with some of that saintly language, the language of the saints. To the church of God that is in Corinth, he writes. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, those called to be saints, together with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the letter begins with Paul addressing the church as those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Sanctified meaning those set apart, those made holy, those called to be saints. I mean, this must be a gathering of some really impressive people, right? Prayer hands, brown monk robes, no cursing, no conflict. I mean, if you've ever seen a church that's like that, you tell me. (laughs) All abstinence and chastity, no smartphones or Wi-Fi, all organic, cruelty-free, not even a beer in sight. A bunch of Gandhis, Mother Teresa spending all their moonlight hours in contemplation of the Lord and every minute of daylight doing works for the poor. A piety meter must be going off like crazy. Wrong. Wrong. If you know anything about the church in Corinth, you'll know that this congregation was ripe with conflict, split into factions fighting over their favorite preachers. Some members had taken others to court. Some avoided pagan temples while others mocked them for doing so. Some of the richer members treated the Lord's Supper like a dinner party for the wealthy, excluding the poorer members, and others claimed spiritual superiority because they could not speak in tongues. Some guy was sleeping with his stepmother, while others were making regular frequent visits to the red light district, and still others outright denied the resurrection of Jesus. The word dysfunctional is probably an understatement about the church in Corinth. Saintly, in fact, is probably the last word you would use to describe this church, because saintly, this church was not. And yet that's exactly what Paul does. Dear those who have been made holy, called to be saints. So what's going on here? The clue is in what he says next. I give thanks, he says. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given to you 
in Christ Jesus. You'll notice that Paul doesn't say, I give thanks for how good you are, or I give thanks for all of your prostitute-frequenting pettiness, or I am grateful for your resurrection-denying vindictiveness, or that you're mostly okay. No. He says, I thank God for you on account of the grace that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. I give thanks to God for you, Paul says. Not on account of your goodness, not on account of your achievements, your programs, your properties. No, but I give thanks for the ways that God has been at work among you, how Christ has enriched you, how Christ has enlightened you, been strengthened among you, and that not and has not left you wanting for any good gift. I give thanks for the God who will keep you in death and sanctify you into the end of time. God is faithful, Paul says, even though you aren't. And it's God's faithfulness that has called you into the fellowship of Christ, not your own. So Paul's definition of saint has less to do with the Corinthians' impressiveness and more to do with what God has done with them and God has done for them in Christ. Stephen Ferris, the professor who taught me preaching, says that the sainthood Paul's talking about here, quote, certainly doesn't rest on their accomplishments. To the outside observer, they seem little more than drunks and sex fiends and argumentative troublemakers. Rather, it rests on the gracious call of God who wills to give the members of the church everything that they need. According to Paul, being set apart, being sanctified, being holy, Bearing the title of saint has less to do with this or that person's achievements or piousness or perfection, but has more to do with who they are in Christ. The Corinthians are saints, not account on account of their own doing, but God's doing, God's love, God's patience, God's mercy, the people God's making them into, the future God promises them. Paul's reminding them of who they are in the light of God's love and mercy, and who they are called to be as saints. So who are saints then? You could say that saints are sinners who God uses to do surprising and wonderful things in spite of their sin. Those who God loves in spite of their lovelessness. Saints are sinners who God promises to make whole in spite of their brokenness, who insists on making holy in spite of their sometimes obvious lack of holiness. Not those who have had the hell beaten out of them, but those who Jesus loves the hell out of in spite of it all. Which is to say, saints are people like you. Saints are people like you. Saints are people like me. And saints are people like us. Saints are people like you. There are people like me. People like us. The people who Jesus loves the hell out of. 
Later in the service, we're going to read out the names of those who have died in this community of faith since last All Saints. We'll have the chance to share other names of those who we've lost in this past year too. Every year you might notice that some of these names belong to some who are maybe more Christ-like than others. Some are models of faithfulness, while others might hold a bare thread, a microscopic germ of belief, but we remember them and thank God for all of them together at once. We remember not because they were all spotless, stellar, spiritual superheroes. We give thanks not on account of who they were or because they got it all or even most of it right. We remember and give thanks for them because they were all recipients of one and the same grace from the one and the same God and witnesses to God's goodness. That their lives, even their brokenness, sometimes especially their brokenness, point us towards a God who brings light to the darkness and who makes the wounded whole. A God who seeks none but the lost, gives wisdom to only the foolish, strength to the weak, and who forgives the unforgivable. A God who makes saints out of nothing but sinners and bring li- brings life only to the dead. We remember them and we give thanks for them because the same God at work in them is at work in us, healing us, feeding us, and raising us to new life. We remember and give thanks because in Paul's words, this God is both their Lord and ours. Though we may feebly struggle, they in glory shine, yet all are one within God's great design. So, to the church of God that is in Courtney, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, those called to be saints together with those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, may you remember and give thanks for all the saints who've gone before, for the grace they've shown, for the love they've poured out, for the testimony to Christ they've strengthened among us so that we may know we may know that we like them are not lacking in any spiritual gift but heirs of the same promise that in life and in death in life beyond death God is with us and will strengthen us to the end that God is faithful in spite of us that God is faithful in spite of it all Amen. And for our hymn of the day, Beautiful Things.
standing.